those who don't know me, my name is Dan. I'm part of the leadership team here. It's wonderful to have you with us today. And um, it's, uh, this, this week, uh, a few of us uh, were a part of, we're part of a wider family called Regions Beyond. And um, as we were, uh, this week we were at our, um, our, Le- our UK conference in, in Swindon. And um, it was a great time. It was a, a, a great time together, a great time of, uh, of teaching, of worship. Um, is my mic all right, by the way? I feel quite echoey. Am I, does it sound all right? Fine. Um, I'm not asking if I sound great. <laughs> just, does it sound normal? That's okay. Um, but it was just a great, it was a great reminder that, that God is on the move. Um, because I don't know about you, but sometimes I can get so, um, so consumed by the stuff that's going on in my life that I sometimes just need my eyes lifting to, to stories of God moving. You know, we, we heard stories, as Sue shared already, of, um, of people hearing God speak of people who, who are, whose life are heading in one way or they feel like God's leading them one way and then suddenly God speaks and they, they, they suddenly go, oh no, God's calling me somewhere else. For some, we had stories of even them moving to new continents in order for, to see new churches established. There's a, a lady there, Donna Bloomfield, who uh, is... Uh, is an English lady, but she moved. She felt God call her a number of years ago to, to Burundi in uh, Africa. And, and she, was, she was there with us before she flies back to Burundi. And she shared about how she was in a conference in South Africa and she was flying back to Burundi and she was sat on a plane and she didn't realize, but she got upgraded because of a, a salad and a a caterpillar and a salad, it was completely bizarre, but she ends up on business class and she's flying uh, business class sat next to someone who she doesn't realise is a, govern- a government minister, minister and he, um, he's also on his, the plane back to Burundi and she starts talking to him and she starts showing him photos of, of the project they're doing in Burundi called Farming God's Way where they're looking to take biblical principles and, and, and see agriculture changed in the nation, to see the nation fed, to see people lifted out of poverty. And she's sharing these photos little knowing that his job in the government was to come up with the answers to the food crisis that they've got in the, in the country. Amazing. And then what happens is he visits over the last few weeks, he's visited the site, he's brought people to that site. And in a couple of weeks, she's going to go to the government offices, the government headquarters, and, and, and they're going to discuss with her and work out how they put these farming God's principles into government policy for the whole country. Amazing. God on the move. And yet in the midst of that, we hear how she is getting also, as she's seeing this great move of God, she's seeing opposition. We, we heard about the opposition that she's facing as people are looking to just tear down and, and all of that she's been building and all that God has been doing in the area of Burundi. We've heard about stories of immense persecution. Our brothers and sisters right now are experiencing in Pakistan. Huge amounts of persecution. Churches being burned. Christians being killed. Christians being arrested. And I was stared as I listened to these stories about the, the sacrifice and the suffering for the gospel that these people are willing to take. 
And, and it convicted me as I sat and listened to these amazing stories. My faith was there, but I also felt this sense of conviction about how lukewarm I can be in the way I follow Jesus at times. About how unwilling I am to be inconvenienced by the gospel. How unwilling I am to suffer to see the kingdom advance. And it made me just reflect because I believe that the, the difference between my story and the stories of those that inspire me is that they have a complete reliance on the presence of God. Because you see that the, the presence of God, they, they, they didn't go one day and think, you know what? I think it sounds like we could just go to Burundi. You know, I'll just go to Burundi. It'll be really easy. We'll just, we'll see some change happen. You know, we'll see a nation transform. Should we do it? They'll write books about us. No, no, Donna didn't do that. She heard the call of God and she carries the presence of God with her wherever she goes. You know, for those guys in Pakistan who don't know if they're going to wake up to find that their, their church has been burnt down, what keeps them going is that they've the presence of God in them. That they're saying that what, I've met with God and he's worth it all. He's worth every inconvenience. He's worth every trial. He's worth every persecution. And while I don't want, you know, I, I, I think it's ridiculous to pray for persecution. I don't want persecution. I'm not going to pray for that. But I think sometimes we are so comfortable that we need to realize what a joy it is that we get to go out. Our team got to go out onto the streets and share the gospel yesterday. It's a real privilege. You know, today, a group of guys, I think they're, they must, Phil's there, so they must be back in, you know, got to be invited into a prison to go to the, their Sunday morning chapel to share the gospel. That you can go into your workplace and you can tell people that you're a Christian. It's an immense privilege. And sometimes I feel like we just need that reminder. And for me, it was that big reminder of going, wow, that's the cost of the gospel. So that leads us to today's passage in the start of our series. Um, Exodus 32 we, we was read to us Exodus 33, don't panic, you didn't get the passage wrong. Uh, Exodus 33 was read to us, but the, the passage before that, which is really helpful for us to understand, is, is Exodus 32. And in Exodus 32, uh, Moses is up the mountain and he is meeting with God. And he comes down, and if you know the story, he comes down to find that while the people have been waiting for Moses to return... They had not been worshipping. They had not been spending their time just on their faces in prayer as Moses up the mountain. No, they have been busy building a golden calf. They have been busy building a, a man-made thing that they were going to worship. And so Moses comes down from the mountain. He's had an incredible encounter with God. And yet he finds the people worshipping a golden calf. He just met with the, the living God. And yet they are worshipping something that is made by their own hands. It's, it's absolutely ridiculous. But that's what they're doing. And so that's the passage that... We read, and then what happens is it says that God put a plague on them. We don't know what that is, but he, he punishes them. They, they've decided that they're not going to worship God. They're going to worship a golden calf, and God punishes them. And then we find ourselves into uh, Exodus 33. And just in the, the verses before what was read to us, in, what we see is that um, God says to them that they're still going to get to go into the promises that God has for them. That's a lesson of grace. Even in the midst of them worshipping a golden calf, God still says to them, I'm still going to bless you. And that's an encouragement for me today, and hopefully an encouragement for you, to know that actually amongst our mess, God still wants to bless us. 
Amongst the things that we get wrong, and if you're feeling shame and you're feeling guilt today, just know that shame is not a thing of the kingdom. If you feel like you've messed up your walk with Jesus, you need to know that shame and guilt that you feel today is not from God. God comes to bring conviction, but God comes to pour his grace and his mercy into our lives. To lift our eyes again, to push us forward and to say we're going to go again. Yes, we messed up, but we're going to go again. And some people need to hear that today. You're feeling like a failure. You're feeling like, I'm the, oh man, I come to church, but these are people who have all got it together. You need to know we haven't. You need to know we are the recipients of the same grace. And today, God wants to lift our eyes and say, you know what? You know what's happened before? You've messed up, and we're going to go again. Are we willing to go again today? And so what happens is, he, but he says that, you know, yes, you're going to walk into the presence of God, but he says, I'm, going to, I'm not going to go with you. I'm going to send an angel instead. And the angel's going to drive out your enemies. The angel's going to do some incredible things. It says in, in verse uh, 2, he says, I will send an angel before you and drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go with you because you are stiff-necked people and I might destroy you on the way. I mean, it's, it's quite funny, actually, you know, like, I'm going to send an angel because I might destroy you on the way, just like a might. Like, okay, God. And if, if anything, I would feel like, I would be like, oh, well, that's a bit of a relief. Because right now, God might destroy us, but he's not going to. He's going to stay over there, but an angel's going to go. And, you know, angels are still amazingly powerful. You know, in the, in the, the Old Testament, we read time and time again about angels. They're incredibly powerful. Um, if God came to me today and said, you know what, I'm not going to go with you, but I'm going to send a ton of angels to look after you, I think I might be like, deal. You know, deal, I'll, I'll take some angels. And then what happens is we see Moses going into the tent of the meeting, and this is what was read to us. It says, now Moses used a tent to pitch it outside the camp, some distance away, calling it the tent of the meeting. And so what happens is in, the, in the, the Old Testament, there is the place called the tabernacle. God gives his people these instructions about what they are to build, and they're to build this tent, this meeting place where God would meet with his people. It's called the, the tabernacle. And when they're traveling, they, they have this, the, the tabernacle is, is no more here. And they've got this tent at the meeting. But do you notice that before, the tabernacle was the center of God's people. And yet what we find here is the tent of meeting. They've got the camp of the people, and the tent of meeting is over there. It's away from the people. They're not gathering in the tabernacle anymore. They actually go, and Moses goes and meets God in this tent away from the people. And there is this question in this. No longer is God at the center of his people. No longer is he saying he's going to go with them. He's going to send them an angel. And then they've got this meeting place out here where Moses is going to meet God in the tent, a meeting. And there is this question is, is God with us? Is he going to be present with us in our future? We don't know what the future is because we're not sure where God is in this future. And then we get Moses' encounter with God. Moses said to the Lord, you've been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom will send me. You have said, I know you by name and you found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. 
Then the Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will, will give you rest. And Moses said, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people in the face of the earth? Moses says an angel isn't enough. Yes, you want to send us and, and you, we still want to step into your blessings and we've still got some stuff to do and you're still going to send an angel, but if you're not going to go with us, God, we're not going anywhere. It's an outrageous ask. They deserve God to punish them and Moses is saying, not only are we going to enjoy the blessings, we want your very presence with us. Moses wants nothing less than the presence of God. If you want me to lead these people, then I need you. And Moses has just had that lesson because those, you know, he's seen what those people are like. They build a golden calf even while he's up the mountain. I know what I'm like. Like, God, I need your presence. I can't do this without you. Moses realizes that without God, it's all pointless. Moses knew that what distinguishes us from those outside of the church. What makes us different to those people who walk past those doors and do not come in this morning? What is the difference between you and those outside of the church, those who don't know Jesus when, you're, when you walk into your workplace, or those in your home who are not following Jesus? What makes you different? It's not that you're great. It's not that you have suddenly stepped into the plans and purposes of God and they haven't. It's not that you're, you're, you're anything better than them. It's that we are the people of God's presence. It's the one thing that marks us out. We are the people of God's presence. And you know, that's been the case from the very beginning of the Bible. God gifts us his presence. You know, we find that in Genesis, first pages of the Bible. God gifts us his presence, firstly by breathing breath into us. And then it tells us that he would walk in the garden. He would walk with Adam and Eve in the garden. He was truly present with them. From creation, God's presence is with his people. And then in the Old Testament, we see the story of God's presence with his people. And we, well, there's, lots of, there's lots of rules about how to handle God's presence. There's lots of ways that we can um, get it wrong. But the, the, the story in the Old Testament is how God meets with his people in the tabernacle as they have to build this tent to hold God's presence. And then in the temple as they build this place where God would dwell with his people. And then Jesus arrives on the scene, and we read about it in the temple gets destroyed, and they're waiting for God's presence to be with his people. There is a, you know, a number of years where God, they're asking that question, Where's, is God gone? God's presence, the temple's destroyed. Where is God? God's presence is no longer with his people. And there's this, there's this barren time, and they're asking, what, what, what's happened? This wasn't meant to end like this. Where is God's presence? And there was this promise that God would come and meet with his people again. There was this promise that God would be with his people. And in Jesus, what we find is that in John 1, it talks about the word becomes flesh and dwelt with us. We use this word Emmanuel. We use it at Christmas a lot. But this word Emmanuel, which describes Jesus' arrival, is saying that God is with us. No longer would God's presence only be found in the tabernacle or the tent of the meeting place or found in the temple, but God's presence would be found in a man who would walk the earth. 
The word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. God's people were always designed to be people of God's presence. And then what we find is in John 14. Don't panic, uh, words team. Don't, you're doing a great job. I didn't give him any Bible passages today, so um, I don't expect you to catch up with me. John 14, 15 to 18. If you love me, keep my commands, and I'll ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be with you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. This is Jesus promising that the Holy Spirit would come. This is the Spirit. This is this promise that he would send one who would come and be with us. So Jesus is carrying God's presence, but he says, no, God's presence is always going to be with you because I'm going to send the Spirit to come and live in you. And notice what he says here. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. It's a wonderful truth is God is our Father. But I wonder how many of us truly understand what that means. Because sometimes I think when, when, we, look, when we hear God is a, is a good father, he delights to give gifts to us, we often count ourselves out. We often, or we kind of feel like, well, maybe God doesn't, maybe I don't deserve it. Maybe, maybe, maybe God doesn't love me as much as that person. Maybe I've not got as much access to God as those people. Jesus says he will not leave us as orphans. We have a good father. He delights in giving good gifts to his children. Matthew 7, we hear Jesus say, you know, what, if, a, if, a, if an earthly father, he tells us, knows how to give good gifts, how much more does our father in heaven delight in pouring blessing on us? He will not leave us as orphans. And then we find in Acts 1, on one occasion, while he was eating, this is Jesus with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then he gathered around him and they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. God with his people in the Garden of Eden, God with his people in the tabernacle, God in his with his people at the temple, God dwelling with us through the person of Jesus, and then the promise of the Holy Spirit, that God would come and dwell in us. And Acts 2, we read about Pentecost. We read about these disciples who are confused. They don't, Jesus is dead and they don't know what is going to happen to them now. Persecution is going to come. There's a real difficulty to know. Where, where is God leading us? What is God doing and then it says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole uh, house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. 
Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one had heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't these all, uh, all those speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hear our native language? And then it goes on and then Peter says, stands up and, and they're accused of being drunk. And then Peter stands up and says, now this is a fulfillment of the prophecy that we read about in Joel. And he says, in the last days, God says, I'll pour out my spirit on all people. This promise that God would pour out his spirit. And the story of the Bible from, from Genesis right through to Revelation communicates that God's desire is that he would be with his people. That we would live a life of intimacy with him. That he wants to draw close to us. So often we just, we don't realize that, we don't understand that. We just, we settle for being like orphans. We settle for the little when God has much for us. We settle for a life that is characterized by trying to do a load of good works. And we don't realize that we have a father who wants to be intimate with us. That when Moses said, you know, I, show me your glory. God, show me your glory. I'm not going to go here unless you, send, unless you go with me. You know, we can come with that same boldness today. We can say, God, I, I don't want to. I don't want to do this if your presence is not with me. And he comes and moves and lives in us by the Holy Spirit. You know, as a church, we were, our, our church family, New Frontiers, um, then latterly now regions beyond, but in the early days, you know, our, our church movement was established in the 1970s and it was people who were hungry for the presence of God, who saw the state of the church and said, you know, we need the Spirit. We need more than this. These people who suddenly started to discover the gifts of the Spirit, and we suddenly sort of started seeing people, there was people singing in, speaking in tongues, and there was words of knowledge and healing happening, and, and God was moving in power, and people were often established, often what we find is a lot of our, our, our initial Fathers and mothers of the church, our church movement, they often started new churches because they got kicked out of their old churches because they were moving in the spirit and people were like, this isn't, what is this? It came at a great cost because actually they, they, they lost friends, they lost family, they lost churches, but they knew that they had to follow what God was doing and the, the spirit was poured out on them. We saw that again in the early 90s and especially around 1994 and the, some of you may be aware of the, the Toronto blessing and there was this outpouring of the spirit in the vineyard movement over in America and it, it, it reverberated onto these shores and, 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 and God was doing some amazing things. And sometimes I can go to, and hear stories. I can hear stories of the Azusa Street Revival in the early 1900s. I can hear about the revival in the Hebridean Islands in the 50s and, and you can read these stories and it can be like a, a history lesson. Or we can just say, you know, oh God, would you do it again? Would you come and fall again like you did in the 70s? Like the stories that I've heard my fathers talking about? Or would you do it again like 1994 in Toronto? 
But when it comes to the move of the Spirit, I think what God is inviting us into is a fresh move of the Spirit. Not to say, would you do that again? Not looking back over our shoulder and saying, when time's great, then. But actually, we want to see a pre- the Holy Spirit breaking out as a present reality. We want to experience God's presence. Who wants to experience God's presence today? Matthew 7, God wants to give us gifts. He wants to pour out his spirit on us. And so over these next few weeks, we're going we're to learn about the person of the Holy Spirit. We're going to learn. We're going we're to we're open the Bible and we're going to say, what does the Bible say? about this third person, the often forgotten member of the Holy Trinity. And hopefully as we do that, I want to I help us see that living in God's presence is what we are all invited to do. I want to also see that living in the Spirit and living a life full of the Holy Spirit that God offers us does not mean we have to become weird. Because sometimes, it, sometimes, it's, sometimes that is the feeling of, if it all just gets a little, you know, we, 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 it all gets wacky and we just claim it's the Holy Spirit. And, but actually sometimes, we, sometimes that, that weirdness is just because we can't explain it because God moves as he wants. And so I think we need to learn as well. We want to be humble. We, you know, I want to I say that I, I want things to be manageable. I like order. Anyone else? Give me an Amen. <laughs> I like to, I like a good spreadsheet. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, thanks, Kay's with me. I like a good jobs list. Who likes a jobs list? I don't do any of it, just make a list. I am, um, this morning I, took, uh, I, I got the bus to church and I can't just turn up at a bus stop. There's an app that tells me where my bus is. <laughs> but you know what? Sometimes when we bring that into the church, God is a God of order. God is a God of control. But it's his control, not our control. And you know, when it comes to the Holy Spirit, it makes me uncomfortable at times because I can't control it. And if I'm honest, and if, I, if, if I'm honest with you, I want to, my desire is to be in control. My desire is to, to make things manageable. My desire is to, to have a church where if you do one, two, three, you get A, B, C. If we do this, then this is what's going to happen, and this is our plan, and this is where we're going, and that's not, that's, very quickly what happens is we become reliant on ourselves. We become reliant on what we feel is going to happen. We become reliant on our efforts and our, what we, you know, we put in this, then this is what happens. And when it comes to the Holy Spirit, when it comes to any move of God, when it comes to God's presence, it's, it's not manageable. It's not simple. It's not straightforward. If we want to see the Holy Spirit truly at work in us as a people, then we need to be open. To say, actually, God, I, I'm not going to dictate to you what this looks like. I'm not going to dictate to you what a move of God looks like. But saying, actually, no, God, we want to hunger after your presence. You know, fortunately, I'm, I'm surrounded by people who are 
full of faith and, and help me see sometimes where God's leading because sometimes I'm just so drilled into this is, this is where we're going, this is what we're doing. But I need people to come, but what is God saying? Where is God leading us? I wonder whether some of you even today, when you look at your life, you realize that you just, you know, you've got a game plan and you're, you're outworking that game plan with little openness to God speaking. You're going through your week with little expectation that God is going to speak and he's going to break in. You know, I remember in my early days as a Christian, I was trying to figure out what following Jesus was like. And one of my, one night I was, um, I was in, I was in a nightclub and, um, and I had a couple too many drinks and, um, and it was, I was trying to grapple with, how do I follow Jesus? And I really wanted to be liked by my friends and I really wanted to fit in. And there was this battle going on to be in my heart. And, and I remember in the middle of this night, nightclub, it was one of the, the, the very few times that I've heard God speak so clearly. And he just, God spoke to me and said, if I moved in power right now, would you be ready for it? And I'm like stood there with like beer in hand and on a night out being like, no, no. But that night changed me. It changed me because it's like, I want to be open to God moving. Your story might not be one of going into a nightclub, but actually that's, have you got a hunger that God is going to move? That if God broke in right now, would you be ready for it? If God broke in when you went into your workplace tomorrow, would you be ready for it? We don't want to be a church that ministers from emptiness. But we want to be like Moses, who says, I'm not going to move an inch unless your presence goes with me. I don't want us to do projects because they feel like they're good ideas. I don't want to, do pro- I don't want to open a, a, a cafe because it's going to make us look good in the city. I don't want to do things so that we get taps on the back and awards. I want to do things because God has spoken and we're willing to follow God wherever he leads us. I don't want us to get to the point. I don't want to get to the point where I'm sat there at the end of my life and thinking, you know what, God spoke and I was unwilling to follow him. Where he's uh, one sort of going, oh, there was that nation that God put on my heart. That nation, but I was unwilling to buy the, fl- the ticket. That person that you saw in the street and you know God was calling you there and you chose to go the other way. That prayer, that bold prayer that you know God has put something on your heart and you're unwilling to pray it because you're scared of where it's going to lead you. And as we look at this series in the whole, as we look at this series about the Holy Spirit, I just want us to know that our goal is not power from Jesus. You know, I, I, I'm, for, I'm not going to gather you down to the front and start all whacking you with the Spirit. <laughs> our goal when we talk about the Holy Spirit is not power from Jesus. It's relationship with Jesus. That's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit draws us to Jesus and it helps draw others to Jesus. This is not about us chasing an experience. Yes, we're going to talk about some of the realities. We're hopefully going to help you see that life in the Spirit is exciting and there's fullness of life and it's not just all weird stuff. But we are going to look at some of the stuff that makes you go, that's a bit weird. Who hears a tongue being brought on a Sunday and thinks, that's a bit weird? Anyone? 
No, just me. Okay. Um, you're... Sometimes I'm like, this is weird. Like sometimes I do sit there, confession on a guest service and think, please don't let there be a tongue today because it's a bit weird. I do. And I'll tell you some stories in a few weeks about where God, how's God's changed me in that. That's for another week. We're not chasing experience. We are going to look at, because I think when the Holy Spirit comes, there is an experience. We do experience the Holy Spirit. But this is about us chasing after God. This is, you know, the Holy Spirit here is not about making our meetings better. That's not, the Holy Spirit did not get sent on God's people so that we could have better meetings. The Holy Spirit was sent to change us so that we could partner with God in changing the world. Holy Spirit is here to change us so that we can partner with God in seeing this world changed. It's not bad, is it? I got through. I didn't really have any notes, so thank you for being with me today. Um, Sue does a wonderful job of hosting, but she did a terrible job of telling you a story this morning, so I want to tell it again. I know she did a terrible job because some of you golf clapped. <laughs> so there's a story we heard. Um, a guy's church planted into Istanbul, into Turkey, and what happened was they were hosting a, a Bible study. And in this Bible study, there was a new woman there who just arrived in the nation of Turkey. And so they're looking at the story of the Good Shepherd. I can tell this again as well because I know half of you were here at half ten as well. So, um, the, she, they, she was telling the story, they were telling the story of the Good Shepherd, and halfway through, this woman gets up and says, I've heard, I've met the Good Shepherd. I've met the Good Shepherd. I said, What, what do you mean? So she recounts the story of how she is trying to enter Turkey and she has paid the people smugglers. She's spent all her money on getting this, onto this van to get smuggled over into, the, into Turkey where she can escape the dangers of her homeland. And as she's on this, uh, on this van, the people smugglers look at her and they see she's an 80-year-old woman. They see her with a stick. They say, we can't take you. The, the road is, we're going to drive, but then we're going to have to walk over lots of mountains and you're going to slow us down. We might get caught. I'm not going to take you. And then this man on the, in the van says, I'll take her. Please let her go. I will take her. I will guarantee that she will not slow us down. I will keep her safe. And so the van carries on. goes, okay, we'll go. They get there. As they go over the mountains, when it gets difficult... He puts her on his, on his back and he carries her. And they, and they get there and they get into Turkey and then she says, how, how will I find you? How, how can I say thank you for all that you've done? You've got me here safely. What is your name? And he said, my name is Isa or Isa, which is Aramaic for Jesus. She said, and how will I find you? And he said, you don't need to worry about finding me because two, in two weeks to the day, my people will come and find you. Two weeks to the day, she's in a Bible study hearing about the good shepherd. Jesus met with her. 
I could tell you stories of how God is appearing to people in their dreams, especially in nations where it's not easy to preach the gospel. God is appearing to people in dreams, and I could tell you many stories. I could tell you stories of how the kingdom is outbreaking as the guys in Malawi and Brown and the team are, are sharing the gospel as they're going around just being the hands and feet of Jesus. You know what? That same God is wanting to move in our lives. Wanting to move in the lives of each of us as we carry his kingdom. As we are filled with the Spirit and as we go, God is wanting to move. (coughs) Would you stand with me? If you've, got, if you've got children, please, um, please do go and get them now and um, thank the team for looking after them for a little bit longer. Then Moses said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me uh, and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Then Moses said, now show me your glory. Why don't we just open our hearts to God now? Why don't we just invite God to come and meet with us? Wherever you're at, whatever you're going through, I believe God is wanting to empower us with his presence today to change us. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you that your presence is not restricted to the tabernacle. It's not restricted to the temple, but you come and dwell amongst us. You come and by your spirit you live in us. And Lord, I pray that we would be, you would come even now by your Holy Spirit and you would fill us afresh. You would come and be gracious enough to be with us by your presence. Would you come? Would you come now, Lord? Holy Spirit, fall on us so that we would go by the power of your Spirit and partner with you to change this world. Come by your Spirit now. Just as the band starts to play, why don't you just start into your... When you start to speak out that, would you just ask God? He's a good father, delights in giving good gifts. Would you just ask God, would you, would you come and fill me with your presence, God? Would you fill me with your presence? who are feeling 
Have you felt like God has moved in the past? That they feel you feel dry? So I invite you just to say, God, would you come and fill me afresh? Maybe people who've seen God do some stuff are thinking, is, it, is God's presence gone? I don't see it anymore. I've got stories of old. Would you ask in faith that you would have stories of the present reality of the kingdom breaking in? For those who don't feel good enough, those who don't feel like, oh, God would want to meet with me, well, God would want to use me, ask him. Ask, would you come, God? Would your presence Fill me afresh and would your presence go with me as I leave today?